Welcome to Agribusiness Conversations, the podcast with your business in mind. We're talking agribusiness, its hardships, its successes, and its emerging opportunities. Subscribe today to hear from leaders in the agriculture industry as they tackle challenges and provide you and your business with solutions. Katie, thanks for being my first podcast guest. Um, Everyone, I want to introduce you to Katie Akins. She is the Arizona Farm Bureau's Education Director. Katie has been with Arizona Farm Bureau for about 10 plus years and reaches on average 100,000 students across the state. Katie, thanks for having me. Yeah, give us a brief introduction. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I think you hit on a lot of it. I've been here at uh, Arizona Farm Bureau for 13 years, but working specifically with our education program since 2008. So we've been in classrooms with our Ag in the Classroom program uh, for 11 years now. I can't believe it's gone by that fast. Wow, that's incredible. Um, So tell me a little bit about Ag in the Classroom. How did it get started? Where's its history? Um, I don't know much about it, and I'm sure our guests don't either. Sure. So one of the very interesting things uh, for Agamemnon Classroom, most people hear about it today, they're involved with it today, and it's it's an obvious program to have. And it just makes sense to educate people about where their food's coming from. But unfortunately, it has not always been a program that we've had here at the Arizona Farm Bureau. Um, It actually came to Arizona Farm Bureau, like I said, about 11 years ago now as a result of something negative that happened in our industry. It was about the time when Prop 204 Uh, was coming forward to the public, and and that was um, presented by the Humane Society of the United States. And what this prop was proposing was to eliminate gestation crates for pigs. And Arizona Farm Bureau got behind the prop. They wanted to, of course, um, defeat the the prop. Um, because there's some big, uh, there's some sound science behind why those animals were kept in those pens for those specific times. And, and they launched their campaign and, and what they quickly realized was that they didn't have the connection with the community that they thought they did. You know, everybody looks to farmers and ranchers and, and they have a positive attitude towards them. But unfortunately, today, we're now three to four generations removed from the farm and ranch. Because of that, not everybody knows a farmer or a rancher that they can say, oh, yes, I know this person and and they do the right thing or that they could go and ask a question to if they had a question about that prop. And so, unfortunately, because of that disconnect, uh, we here in Arizona were unsuccessful at uh, defeating that proposition, and it passed and went into effect. And so, I think at that point, that's when our Arizona Farm Bureau board thought, okay, we need to get back in touch with this community. Um, There was this sense of of loss at that point, um, and and that recognition of... um, they're not connected with us anymore. And so we've got to do something to educate people about not only where their food is coming from and and connecting them again with, with who it is that's producing it, but more importantly, showing them the why 
as to why things are done the way that they are done on farms and ranches. Because I think sometimes from the outside, if you're just seeing a picture or a glimpse and you're not having a conversation, things could potentially look bad to somebody from the outside. But if you're afforded the relationship and the opportunity to be able to explain to them, oh yeah, these are the reasons why we do these things. We love the environment. We love our animals, but we have to do A, B, and C because of this. Um, it, it really, I think, helps break things down to the consumers um, and opens that dialogue and, and lets them see that farmers and ranchers still want to protect the environment, want to produce safe food, want to provide the best care that they can for those animals. And so that's where Ag in the Classroom began 11 years ago was simply because of Prop 204. Wow. I love, I love stories where something positive comes out of something negative. Um, and, and thanks for sharing the background on that. I think um, as we sort of further along and we get further along in these questions, um, I think we can kind of address and take Ag in the Classroom as another positive um, towards some of these challenges that farmers and ranchers have today. So um, I do want to talk a quick minute about some of you, like the resources that you have available for classroom presentations, um, curriculum kits, um, webinars, and pen pals. I saw all those resources on your website, and I'm a little bit curious about them. They sound pretty fun. Yeah, so we really try and put together a whole package of resources. Um, of course, we would like to see people use every single one of them, but the things that we develop and create and offer here through Arizona Farm Bureau Ag in the Classroom, um, they are standalone things. So if somebody finds something that works for them, they can just keep going back to that one resource um, that provides them with that information or or um, resource that they need. But the variety of things that we have um, with our curriculum packages, uh, the first and probably the most popular are our classroom presentations. Um, and we present in kindergarten through college classrooms. So it's a wide variety of presentations um, that people can get from uh, us here at Arizona Farm Bureau Ag in the Classroom. And one of the things that I really like to promote, not only about our classroom presentations, but about all of the resources that we offer through Ag in the Classroom is that one, most importantly, I believe, everything that we offer to our schools, to our teachers, to our students, and to our community is free of charge. We do not charge for this curriculum, and that's because we think it's important that everybody has access to it. And especially when we're talking about classrooms, we know that they already put a lot of their own money to resources. And so we wanted to remove that hurdle for them. So a uh, big shout out to our Arizona Farm Bureau Board of Directors and membership who think that this is so important um, that they provide us the opportunity to give this stuff for free. So um, we have classroom presentations. One day we could be in a kindergarten class teaching them about bees. And the next day I could be in a college biology class. Uh, teaching them about GMOs. So we're kind of on both ends of the spectrum with those. Um, also with our classroom presentations, they're all aligned to the uh, Arizona State Learning Standards. Um, and that's because we wanted to make them easy for people to take into the classroom. Not that they had to do a pause or time out with their everyday curriculum, but it's something that they could bring in to enhance uh, the things that they should already be teaching in the class. So that's something important that we look to. Uh, 
Um, so classroom presentations are a big deal. Some of our most coveted presentations for the classroom are our ag literacy presentations. And these are special events that we do three times a year. Uh, they target our kindergarten through second grade classrooms. And what we do is we go in with our small staff here at Arizona Farm Bureau Ag in the Classroom, and also um, over 100 different volunteers go in for these events as well. And they're scripted, which is nice, especially if you want to be a volunteer. Everything's there for you. And we read a story to the kids um, to connect with them through literacy. But all of the stories that we do are um, ag accurate. So we try and make them be as representative of agriculture as possible. And then we pull the concept from that story um, and we reinforce it with some sort of hands-on activity. Uh, so as an example, our fall presentations are always on the life cycle of a pumpkin because, of course, that's important to recognize and understand how plants grow. And so we'll read them a story and then um, we will do one year we did a life cycle of a pumpkin bracelet with beads. And so each color bead represented a different stage of the life cycle so that they could then go home and tell their parents the life cycle of the pumpkin. Uh, and of course, then through that presentation, we introduce them to what it is that farmers do here in Arizona and throughout the country on the farms and how much they care for the land and the crops that they're producing. So on average, uh, we have nearly 800 classrooms sign up for each of those three ag literacy events. So very, very popular events that we have. Outside of classroom presentations, um, our, one of our next biggest things is our curriculum kits. And the thing I like about these is they're all encompassing. So not only does this big Rubbermaid tub that they receive include a binder full of lesson plans that cover math, English, language, arts, social studies, all of those things, it also has all of the materials they need to teach the lessons. And oftentimes we find that that's a hurdle for teachers in the classroom. They might find a great lesson plan, but maybe they can't find the specific seeds they need, or maybe they don't have funding to buy the different things they need to teach the lesson. So we're able to provide those resources along with the lessons in those curriculum kits. Currently, we have 10 different topics uh, ranging from apples and pumpkins and the Arizona 5 C's, which is a big one. We even have a poultry kit that classrooms can check out, and it comes with an incubator. So they're able to learn about embryology and actually hatch chicks in their classroom as part of that curriculum. So huge fan of the curriculum kits. Um, they're really available to anybody. We have 4-H groups, check them out. We have homeschools who will check them out as well and use them as part of their co-op to teach from. So a lot of versatility comes with those curriculum kits. Wow, they sound exciting. And um, I just want to reiterate, um, all the materials are free and they're scripted, correct? So people don't need to be intimidated if they're going to go teach a classroom or use any of your education materials. Exactly right. Our classroom presentations, we have a script for every single one. And especially if we have people who want to help out with our ag literacy presentations or maybe just go into their kid's school or a local school in their community just to build that connection and that relationship. Um, not only is it a written out script, 
but we will oftentimes have loaded on our YouTube channel a training video. So uh, we will read part of the story to show them how to use the inflection in their voice to keep the students engaged, what they should say when they go into the classroom. Uh, and then of course, we demonstrate the activity for them so that there's no uh, question, no angst when they go in there about what it is that they're going to be doing. That's great because it can be intimidating for some people. Um, so to touch base a little bit on the webinars that you have available, um, I know ag issues are a big thing and it seems like you touch on those quite frequently. You know, this is a resource that I'm very excited about, and it's one of our newest resources. And our education team has actually teamed up with our government relations team. Um, and what the idea was, was to bring the issues that Arizona Farm Bureau is working with on a daily basis, the challenges that our members, our farmers and ranchers are dealing with on their farms and ranches, and bring them down to a level that a non-agriculture member would understand. Right. Because um, okay. oftentimes, you know, we talk in, um, I mean, I could rattle off a whole lot of acronyms to you in education and you would be confused, right? And I'd look at you like, well, why don't you know what I'm talking about? And so sometimes that, that happens when we're trying to communicate our issues from agriculture to consumers as well. It's not only just the acronyms get in the way, but some of those more technical the more technical things that, that consumers don't even know we're doing on farms and ranches today. So the way that we have it set up is super fun. Um, it's one of the things we do like to do some of our promotion in Ag in the Classroom with is um, the things that we do are not scripted. And so that kind of makes it, I think, more of a conversation with people, makes it less intimidating for people to ask questions. Um, and so once a month, uh, our Government Relations Director Chelsea McGuire will jump on a webinar with me. Um, it's only a 55-minute webinar. Actually, 50 minutes is all they can go because we've tailored them to sort of meet the needs of our high school classrooms uh, so that they could stream these webinars into their, their classrooms, uh, watch them either, either live or they're videoed and then, or recorded and put on our website so they can access them later. And one of the things I like um, about what we're doing with the webinars is we're not just sharing information about, you know, these are the issues and this is what Farm Bureau is doing to help and this is what you're doing to help, but we've incorporated it into their curriculum by posting online some different lesson plans that they can do along with the issues so that they can dive deeper into it than the 50 minutes that we get to talk to them. Um, but if you've ever met Chelsea, she is a rock star and she knows anything and everything there is to know about policy. And then if you know me, you know that I love to talk to people. I love to hang out with kindergarten students and high school students. Um, but policy is probably not something that I'm, I'm very good at. And so it's really fun to bring sort of those two different personalities and dynamics together 
to have a conversation. Um, so I, I feel like they really engage people. We've had a good response with those webinars. We've covered things like ag uh, trade. That was our most recent one. We covered the Endangered Species Act already. We've talked about a little bit about water in agriculture. We're going to dive into that with some future webinars as well. And then um, one that we did two months ago that I, I had a blast with was uh, fake meat. And so we actually got to experience tasting fake meat uh, live on our little promo videos. So um, that is something to look for on our Facebook pages. If you want to know what webinars are coming up, we always shoot a, an unscripted entertaining promo video to let you know what's going to be coming at you. Um, and those webinars usually take place on Mondays um, and at 10 o'clock. Our next webinar is actually going to be the 16th, so it's coming up. Wow. And these webinars, although they're directed at high school students, um, anyone can go online and watch them if they want to become, you know, more apprised of the issues and be more aware of what's going on and sort of how, how to have these conversations with the public. Is that what I understand? Absolutely. We have them all linked on our Ag in the Classroom webpage currently, which if you just click on the Tractor and Books logo um, on the azfb.org page. And I know Chelsea's going to be getting them up on the government relations policy pages as well. So they're going to be accessible from a variety of different places for people to use however they want. Fantastic. Um, that kind of leads me into my next question. Um, a lot of agriculture businesses, as you well know, they're they're diversifying their operations due to a lot of you know market struggles, whether it's trade, um, the weather. They're dealing with just a lot of intense issues in agriculture right now, and prices are down and subdued. And so they're offering agritourism, and ag education kind of ties in with that. Um, so I'm sort of curious what resources, and we've already touched base on a few, but can you make some direct correlations for individuals that are using agritourism on their operation for how maybe they can use AITC's resources in their agritourism options for people? Of course, and I, I agree with you that agritourism and ag education really are one and the same, right? The end game is the same, to bring people to your uh, your farm, your ranch, show them what it is that you're doing and allow them to have a good time. Well, that's sort of my motto with education as well. If you're not allowing people to have a good time, they're not going to remember what it is that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So just, just from being what you are as an agritourism, you are educating people. Um, and so we have a variety of resources that a lot of our agritourism businesses are already using. Um, and those come in the form a lot of, we have a coloring book, a coloring activity book uh, that we give to some of those businesses to hand out as part of their tours or, or just to have available to anybody. And then we also have a wide variety of agricultural magazines, and we call these ag mags. Clever, I know. <laughs> they are also um, written to meet the state standards, uh, the Arizona state standards, which is nice because a lot of times these agritourism um, 
places are bringing schools for tours. So it is nice to be able to give them something that is aligned to those academic standards as well. So for our AgMags, we have things like the Arizona Five Cs. We have Arizona fruits and vegetables, Arizona specialty crops. We have a beef one now, which I'm very excited about that we did in partnership um, with um, uh, Arizona Beef Council. And um, that one is actually written more towards a high school consumer audience. But what you'll find in our other um, our other AgMags is they're all written kind of at the third and fourth grade level. And I know most people would say, yeah, but I want to educate adults. Well, the thing that we have found through education is you educate adults the same way that you educate third and fourth graders. Mm -hmm. So um, we've sort of taken that into everything that we produce. It's easy for them to look at it. It's easier, easy for them to glean information. It's not a hard read that they have to go sit by themselves in the quiet to be able to understand. Um, And so those AGMAGs have really taken hold. Um, We have the Arizona specific ones here, um, but you can also get them through American Farm Bureau Foundation for Agriculture. They have a whole variety of ones, commodities that we haven't been able to focus on yet. Wow. So it sounds like Arizona Farm Bureau has a lot of resources, but you're saying that there's additional resources that agritourism businesses can get through American Farm Bureau. Definitely. They have a wide variety of um, not only ag mags, but one of the things that I use, um, we purchase from them and using classrooms and curriculum is their farm and food facts. And that's a booklet that's a really easy way to connect with consumers. It talks about things like, where does your dollar go? How much of your dollar stays on the farm? and how much of it leaves the farm. And I think people are really surprised to hear um, how little of each dollar actually stays on the farm. Uh, So that's another great resource you can get from American Farm Bureau Foundation for Agriculture as well. Thank you for letting us know about that. Um, So Katie, I wanna talk a little bit about the, how educating consumers about agriculture and where their food comes from can be pretty contentious at times. It can turn people off and, you know, without trying, sometimes we're just going to lose our audience. But as an educator, do you have any advice for anyone that wants to implement some further education in their um, agritourism businesses um, about how to limit or try to eliminate turning people off when you have hard conversations, whether it's about um, genetically modified crops or the issue of fake meat, or if we're talking about water issues, how do you have a conversation without really making people feel uncomfortable or angry? You know, that's a great question. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. I There's times when I struggle with it too. I definitely don't have all the answers, but mm-hmm. I know some of the strategies that I have used um, when working with, especially when we're talking about things, as you pointed out, fake me, or I talk a lot about biotechnology and GMOs. And as you might imagine, that can be a pretty heated uh, debate for a lot of people. And so one of the things that I personally learned through um, my education and working with others is remember that everybody is a person. I think that's the biggest part. 
right? And so everybody wants to be heard. So you don't necessarily want to be talking at people. You want to engage with them and let them know that you are hearing what they're saying. You're hearing their concerns. You can validate them to a degree. Obviously, if it's a concern based on something that's not factual, you don't want to say, oh yeah, I also am just so fearful of that. Right. But you have to connect with them before they're going to listen to any factual information you have. So I oftentimes encourage people to not um, plug facts at people. Don't throw facts at people. Nobody wants that. Um, You have to connect with them on your personal experience. Right. Because one of the things that I found is people can't tell you that your personal experience um, is wrong. It could be different than a personal experience that they had, Right, yours can't be wrong. It it can be different. And that's great to allow them to see that it's different. So if somebody comes on to your agritourism um, farm, ranch, whatever it is, um, definitely engage with them. They want to meet the people who are doing it. And so try and connect with them on that personal level. And then I know some of our agritourism farms have had really good, um, really good results by offering education in a variety of ways. So maybe it's out there, out there communicating with people, right? Engaging with people when they're on their farm. Right. Also, they will create signage that is educational and fun that just provides some of that factual information that people go, oh, I didn't know that. But they're coming to that on their own by just reading something as opposed to somebody saying, like as an example, if we're talking GMOs and they're worried about, you know, those big, huge strawberries we're seeing in the store, but you happen to have a sign on your farm that says, did you know there are only 10 GMOs? And they look and and a strawberry is not one of them. That might, one, bring down um, the walls a little bit for communication and might encourage them to, instead of saying, oh, these are evil, say, oh, I didn't know that. There are only 10. And then it offers you sort of an invite to give them some more of that information. So you can have good success with that as well. And then, of course, having informational things that they can take away, whether that's our Ag in the Classroom coloring activity books or Ag Mags or things you can get from all of the different commodities are doing a really good job at putting things out. Um, The dairy industry, beef industry, uh, even grains have a lot of things that you can actually get your hands on that you can get for free to hand out at your agritourism facility. Fantastic. I completely can understand and relate to what you're saying about if, you know, you feel attacked or you feel like somebody's not listening or not really hearing your experience, that you're not going to listen to what they have to say. So I think that's a huge takeaway for um, our agribusiness um, individuals who have focused on tourism to really engage with the public in a way that's, you know, always positive and I'm just sort of curious from your own experience, if you've had a good example of somebody that you've turned over time to listen to what you have to say about agriculture versus them just shutting down. You know, um, 
I, I wish I could pick a specific one, throw me under the tires <laughs> here, my friend. But, um, you know, at the moment on the spot, I can't think of a, a specific one that has stood out. I just have to say over the 11 years of doing this, I'm always very surprised at how open people are yeah. to receiving information as long as you're not attacking them. Right. And, and I think one of the biggest things, you know, the negative, unfortunately, is what stands out to a lot of people. And and I remember being at uh, an event that we had here locally. We had um, over the course of two days, we had over 2000 people come and participate in the free booths um, and ag education that we had. And I remember the middle of the first day, a lady came in and we're working with kids and, and it's just really fun. And I just said, oh, hi, you know, welcome. Is there a topic you'd like to learn about? We're doing this fun activity over here and this over here. And she looked up and she saw the Farm Bureau sign and she said, oh, this is Farm Bureau. I can't be here. You guys support GMOs. And just went on about all of these things you read about GMOs on the internet. And, and so I let her basically yell at me. Um, and when she finished yelling, I simply said, yeah, I said, there's just a lot of information out there and I can see it being overwhelming. I said, can you tell me which of the 10 GMOs most is, is of most concern to you? And the interesting thing to me is she couldn't actually name one of the GMOs. And so I sort of was able to gather right there with the tone and the level that she was communicating to me with and the lack of information that she had that this was not going to be somebody that I could have a conversation with. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it would probably do more damage than good because I had a lot of people in our booth who were there trying to get information. And so I just had to simply say, I'm sorry you feel that way. And if you'd ever like to, you know, chat about it, I'd be happy to chat. But if you're just going to stand here and yell, I, I am going to ask that you leave. And she turned and walked away, you know, but it was, I had to be able to remain calm. And you do have to be able to recognize that there are going to be people who you are not going to be able to have a conversation with. And, and that's okay. Um, but you have to be able to walk away from that. So it is unfortunate that it's the negative things, right? I mean, I could talk to thousands of people every year for 11 years and, and it's that one lady at that one event that sticks out to me, which is unfortunate, but I think we learn through those experiences and that's what allows us to do the positive things better. Absolutely. And it sounds to me like you left the conversation on a positive note with an open door. If she had any more questions, she knew that she could reach back out to Farm Bureau and Ag in the Classroom. So the conversation, we never know. She might reach out to you in six months or a year. Maybe someone else will run into her and talk to her about the conversation. So I do, I really appreciate that. And I think that's um, sort of a word of the of the wise for our um, agritourism operations as they're, you know, potentially run into a negative situation like that. Um, I am definitely interested with your experience and the number of people that you're reaching. As an educator, do you have one piece of advice that 
you would recommend to, to anybody that's looking to um, go into ag education or a skill that has been most valuable to you? So I, I think with all of the education that I've had, um, one of the things that I have found that has the most impact in educating others about agriculture is passion. If you are not passionate about what you are talking to people about, they're not going to jump onto the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to make it fun and you have to be able to bring down some of these things that we talk about and that we do in agriculture are really high level. And what we have to be able to do is bring that down to a level that everybody can understand where we're not making people feel like they're uninformed, that we're not making people feel like they're beneath us or they don't know the information because then they're going to run away from it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it, it really, to me, it comes down to passion. I mean, I feel like sometimes I could sell a, a peanut farmer a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because I can get really excited about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, just as excited as I can get about in our ag literacy presentations, doing the same 30-minute presentation 16 times in a row, mm -hmm. right? Because you have to be just as excited and just as passionate for that 15th class or you're not going to be able to connect with them on the same level. So it's really just a passion and an energy um, that you have to be able to have to, to connect with people. Absolutely. That makes sense because nobody wants to, to listen to a, a really mundane conversation that kind of drags on. Um, so thank you for that piece of advice. Um, sort of a fun question now. Um, we're talking about food and agriculture and this podcast is um, focused on ag. What is your favorite foodie holiday and why? So I'd have to say my favorite foodie holiday happens to be Memorial Day. Uh, okay. One, I enjoy it because I live here in Arizona because I love the heat. So it is a nice warm time of year for us. And the other thing that I really enjoy about Memorial Day, um, I mean, you said it's a foodie holiday. That is when the most meat is consumed in the United States. And why is that? Because what does everybody do on Memorial Day? Oh, they're barbecuing. They're barbecuing. They're outside. Usually they're surrounded with family and friends. And, and that's what I like the most, being around family and friends, enjoying good food, and being outside. Nice. I love it, Katie. I can understand um, enjoying the weather. We, those of us that are natives love the heat. So That's uh, right. To sort of wrap up, how can people reach you and, um, you know, when is the best time to reach out to you for resources? I know that you guys can kind of run short on resources at times. So when would be the best time and how? We, we do, unfortunately, run short, but we are working hard to accommodate all of the requests. Um, really, the best thing to do is to go to our website, which is azfb.org backslash AITC for Ag in the Classroom. And that'll show you all of the resources that we have available for teachers. Um, most of what we talked about today, but there's also some other ones on there that we didn't get to touch on today. Um, 
and kind of feel out what presentations you want, what curriculum kits you want. And my biggest suggestion is even if you don't want a poultry kit or you don't want a presentation until April, make sure you contact, contact us in August to get on the schedule because uh, we pretty much do all of our scheduling in August and we fill our calendar all the way through May in August. Now, of course, there, you know, there is a possibility or option that you could, um, you know, call us and we could come in a couple of weeks to do it, but you're kind of playing the lottery doing it that way. So definitely the beginning of the school year is the best time to contact us for our, uh, our widest availability. Um, and then once you're on the website and you find out what you want, um, you can go to the contact page there and it has our email addresses and our, our phone numbers. Um, but AITC at azfb.org is our email. So we try and keep that easy for you as well. Um, but the website will be a great way uh, to find our contact information and the, and the best way to get on our schedules. Fantastic. Katie, I just want to point out and to the audience as well that one of the reasons why um, you kind of do run short is that your material is so popular and it's free and it reaches the Arizona state standards. So you check all of those boxes and people really, really want to be involved with what you have going on. Um, well, thank you. And yeah, last year we reached uh, over 110,000 students just last year with our presentations and, and curriculum. And, and we're looking to advance that this year. Each year it continues to grow. So. Wow. Well, I hope that this podcast allows people that haven't either reached out to you before or maybe haven't heard of Arizona Farm Bureau Ag in the Classroom to, to reach out to you guys and expand the program and utilize it in new and exciting ways. Uh, but thank you so much for your time, Katie. And um, I look forward to hopefully hearing that people have reached out to you. I appreciate it, Amber. Thank you so much.